0: more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you could get lucky anywhere playing at luckyland play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details sir i'm detecting a subspace message i'll put it on speakers subspace dare to wander the intrepid radio program with scotty roberts intelligent talk hey everybody welcome to the program this is scotty roberts and you're listening to and watching the intrepid radio broadcast we're coming to you live via the radio station, which is Subspace Odyssey Radio, and you can go to subspace.radio. You can also go to odyssey O-D-Y-S-Y, radio.com I think I got those all straight now. And uh, that's where you can hear the show in its audio format only. You used to be able to come over to YouTube, and uh, uh, you will again one of these days. I've been suspended over there for uh, disseminating false information, so we'll talk about that in a minute. Hey to everybody who's gathering, Chuck Thurston, Pat Donnelly, Roy Palvado, good to see you all, and uh, as everybody figures out that we're in a different place tonight than YouTube, because we did not broadcast Friday, because as I was getting ready to broadcast was when I found out that I couldn't do the show over on YouTube, so I just canceled the show for Friday. We didn't do a Sunday morning show. It's Sunday, which is off the record, kind of, uh, not the, uh, main, uh, intrepid radio program that does not broadcast over on, on subspace odyssey, and it's just kind of an informal time, but uh, I didn't do either of those because we couldn't get onto YouTube. I've been arguing with YouTube a bit back and forth, and, uh, We'll see what comes of it. Probably nothing. Uh, So, um, let me tell you about this before we really get started. Um, So, what's going on with YouTube? Why did they cut my broadcast for a week over there? Well, there was a point, uh, what was it? What I'm finding is that YouTube, either somebody is going in, there's trolls that will go in and report you for saying something, or they have bots that go in and start reaching back. I have some things that are two and three years old that I find I get copyright hits on for playing a piece of music or something on YouTube. And uh, um, and that comes that far out, they start reaching back. And when they start seeing things that they disagree with that's not part of their narrative or they say is against their company policy... They will start putting out the feelers, and they found the show. It wasn't too awfully long ago, but do you remember the show I did about five or six weeks ago on, um, it was called Bragg's Folly, and I had a picture of Trump looking over his shoulder at you kind of like this in an orange jumpsuit, and uh, uh, it was talking about the indictment, the impending indictment that time by uh, New York District Attorney uh, uh, Alvin Bragg, and uh, somewhere, and I got to be really careful of my words here. No, I don't, because I'm not on YouTube tonight. Uh, somewhere along the way, in the captain's cabin, uh, Professor Bauer was in, and a couple of other people were in. I think Field Guy was there, and uh, uh who is uh right there, Brian Turnich. Good to see you, Field Guy. That's Field Guy, in case any of you didn't know, uh, because he's got to tune in through Facebook, so it shows his real name. His secret identity. Well, anyway, we were all chatting up a storm, and uh, uh, Professor Bauer said something about, uh, well, yeah, there's the Department of Defense. Uh, There was a 2019 document that said the Department of Defense was hiring for COVID research in Ukraine back before we had labeled it as COVID. Now, somebody else came along and said, I think the facts on that are they were hiring for research, but didn't name it COVID till later. I don't know what the exact thing is, but that was not even the topic of discussion. That was that was just a sidebar. And I watched the video to look for it, and that's the only place I found any mention that mentions anything of COVID. And uh, when, then we went on to other topics, right? We didn't even deal with that particular topic, as far as I can remember. And I couldn't see any around in the few minutes before, a few minutes afterwards, or anything, because the conversation got steered into a, another direction right after he said that. And so what I was tagged for at YouTube was disseminating false or misleading medical information. And I wrote to them and I said, uh, now, we didn't even talk about that. I didn't even remember that Professor Bauer had made that statement. And so I said, that we didn't talk about COVID at all. It was about the indictment. Um, and so I looked back through and I, I scanned through and I found that one line by, by Professor Bauer. And uh, so I wrote YouTube back again. I said, by the way, the one line that was mentioned wasn't even talking about medical topics. He was talking about DOD hiring for research. I said, uh, how is that medical disinformation or misinformation? And they sent me along. Here, you got to hear how this stuff gets talked about. Let's see if I've got it here Uh, right up front. Maybe, maybe I do. Uh, Let's see if it's in here. Go Daddy, YouTube community. YouTube removed your content. Here was their original thing. Our team has reviewed your content, and unfortunately, we think it violates our medical misinformation policy. We've removed the following content from YouTube, Bragg's Folly. Uh, We know that this might be disappointing, but it's important to us that YouTube is a safe place for all. If content breaks our rules, we remove it. If you think we've made a mistake, you can appeal, which I did, and we'll take another look. And uh, then it said it was uh, a hit against my channel. Your channel now has one strike. You won't be able to do things like upload, post, or live stream for one week. And this was on uh, three days ago, was when this came on Friday. And uh, it says a second strike will prevent you from publishing content for two weeks. Three strikes in the same 90-day period will result in your channel being permanently removed. So that would mean if I had three strikes like that because somebody who called into the show, or somebody in the chat room mentions something that's against policy, uh, and I can't appeal it, um, I could lose a thousand shows that are archived over there. And trying to take time right now to download a thousand shows is pretty ridiculous uh, to make sure I have them. I have some of them, but I don't have them all. I do them live. So now, uh, then we I got a subsequent. We've reviewed your appeal for the following Bragg's Folly. We reviewed your content carefully and confirmed that it violates our medical misinformation policy. We know this is probably disappointing news and blah, blah, blah. Uh, We won't be putting that video back up on YouTube. If your appeal was was a warning, blah, 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 and they go into their thing. Then I got one more email because I followed up to that. Let's see. I don't think I inadvertently. Here you go. I wrote to them, uh, people that had, I had dealt with before. Hi, Scotty. I hope you're safe and well. I understand that you need help in removing your community guideline strikes from your channel. That's not what I asked. I told him to review it. Uh, That's got to be very frustrating to know you received these strike, this strike and want to know. And you can tell it's a form letter. Received these strike and wants to know how to resolve them. I can see how difficult it, this has been. I know how important this is for you, so I'll be handling your case from here. Warning, we understand mistakes happen and you don't mean to violate our policies. That's why the first violation is typically only a warning. You only get one warning and this warning remains on your channel. Your channel got the warning on December 14th of 2022. I don't remember what that one was for. Uh, This is beyond the initial warning of July 7th, 2022 which has been resolved. So I resolved that one. So strikes, if you have a single strike, you want to blah, 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 they go on to this. Then they say this, on a lighter note, you can appeal each individual strike, which I can see that you did. You can learn more about how to appeal at the Community Guideline Strikes here at this link. You can only appeal for 30 days after the warning. Note, deleting your content doesn't remove a strike we may also issue a community guideline strike on deleted content. So what they're saying is, even if we take your video down and remove the egregious content, you still committed the act of violating our policy, and that goes as a strike against you. So uh, in other words, toe the line or we'll take you out. Now, I do have to make a note here. It's important that places like YouTube, Facebook, any kind of social media platform has standards. Uh, if you wanted to get on and talk about uh, pedophilia from a a, a, a a user's point of view, you're gonna get tagged, you get tagged on my own site and I'd take you down. And uh, so I understand there are standards that need to be applied. However, when it comes to things like COVID, things like uh, politics, and all of those things, if you disagree with the narrative, there's very little way to get around it, the narrative that is established by, because as you and I all know, there's opinions on all sides of all of these issues, but if you even talk about the opinion, guess what happens? You get tagged for misleading medical information. So, uh, Chuck says if people are going to get pissy about false information on a social media, rather than just ignoring the information based on better knowledge, that's a rather negative on them, rather negative on them, not you. And I agree with that, Chuck, absolutely. And uh, we didn't even discuss the ins and the outs of the c-word. We uh, and see, I even have to be careful on Facebook. You start mentioning the c-word too much, you're going to get flagged. So let me ask you: Is it Too much rhetoric on my part to say, this is fascism 101. This is an introduction to it. We will control what you say. You cannot express an opinion even on what we said you can't talk about. So you can't express an opinion. Say the uh, the 2020 election, depending on where you came down on that side of that. Those words might even get tagged and somebody's going to look at my video because they're going to want to know if I'm talking about promoting uh, that uh, Trump actually won, which I'm not doing here. But talking about it, you have to be very careful that the organization doesn't penalize you for expressing an opinion. You can say, my opinion is that this was the actual outcome. My opinion is that that was the actual outcome. But you can't express but only one opinion. Because if you do, you're violating the standards of this social media platform. So, um, and this is where they've run into problems with being, well, you're not just a platform; you're you are li- uh, uh, liable for upholding the Second Amendment. Now, here's the thing: I have with YouTube and Facebook and all those places too. These are all companies that were established under the protections of constitutional law in this country they have the guarantee of the first amendment they have the guarantee to express themselves the way they want to and they utilize those those constitutional protections of our rights to create what they created in other countries you don't have that constitutional protection and so you might end up with a lot of trouble so the way they've worked around that is that, well, this is our community standard. You can't talk about these certain items, and they're usually items that are promoted in the narrative of the ownership, if you will, the entity of one of these uh, big social media companies. And if you violate that standard, that policy, you can get whacked pretty hard. And so I've had it happen on Facebook. I've been in Facebook jail before. But if you notice by my speech, I tend to be very diplomatic. You know what my opinions are on things, and I make them strong. But I also try to present other sides. I also try to say, it's like when I talk about faith issues. Here's a prime example. I would say I was Christian. I still am Christian. I am somewhat christianized and less christian than I was before i'm more pagan or i'm more uh, uh i have different sets of beliefs that i incorporate pagan just an overall umbrella to get through that explanation simply and i say look i don't want to offend anybody's sensibilities here's what i believe about biblical theology here's what i believe about pagan theology if you could call it that spirituality And so I try to not play both sides. I try to be diplomatic for the sake of not offending people by what I say, because you can offend Christians by saying, I don't know that I fully believe that particular article in uh, scripture anymore. You can offend pagans. Pagans are a little less offendable, but, you know, you call them an acorn shaker of the week. Uh, That's what I refer to as kids, young people who are pagans, in revolt against their parents' Methodism as they grew up, so they're acorn shakers of the week. I call them. Uh, they got to find something that's different. So that's as a by way of example of the way I try to handle myself in issues. And I never uh, try to degrade anybody in public, unless they're being degrading. I might say, "Oh, come on, you you can think a little better than that." Might be a response I might throw out there. So this is, uh, we all have freedom of speech, says Chuck. We also have the right to ignore things we disagree with. I ignore what I choose, my freedom to do so. Uh, I rather take offense to someone trying to protect me. That's it. Uh, So you've got uh, the nanny social media is telling you, uh, we can't let you opine about this particular topic because it might hurt people who don't really know any better. Well, those people who don't know any better are people who, I think, voted in the last president <laughs> because they don't know any better. So uh, there's an opinion for you right there. They don't do their research. They don't look into anything. They just they're they're fed the lines and they're fed the narrative and they regurgitate it. Now, what places like Facebook and YouTube and Twitter used to do was pretty much say, uh, we have these policies, and if you violate them, we'll just remove you. We'll remove your content. You can't talk about that. And you see the way that letter was stated? We know on a lighter side, you know, and we know it's it's disappointing to get strikes like this and so on, but your whole site and everything you've put up there for 10 years at least, in my case, is in jeopardy if I say the wrong thing. It all disappears. And uh, so you tell me, you look up the definitions of fascism, look how fascism worked. Now, fascism, as we look at it historically, was generally a governmentally imposed thing. So here's the question. What happens when you have a company that has the right to be fascist? They have the right to express themselves. You got that. But there's a fine line that gets crossed when you have billions of users, and you're imposing something that goes by only one narrative. That's where it starts becoming dicey. Are you then a publishing company, or are you a social media platform? So in social media, what I've learned is that on YouTube and Facebook, you cannot just speak your opinions if they happen to just get a little too close to that line. So, Professor Bauer, love him to death. He didn't do anything wrong. He just brought up the DOD thing. And uh, uh, whether it's right or wrong, we never even got to discuss that. He just brought it up. And that constituted me disseminating misleading medical information over on YouTube. And YouTube, they're wrong about that. But uh, they don't have time to go into every single case. I'm trying to get them to go into this case a little deeper, but there it is. Daisy McHenry says, does 1984 seem to be closing in? Sure it does. And folks, if you don't know what 1984 is, go read that George Orwell novel and you'll get the idea. So two for the price of one and strikes says Brian. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They don't review anything. It's third party who reviews and blocks. There you go. And so, uh, um <laughs> professor broke YouTube. Yeah, inadvertently. So that's where I say, you know, there are things I, I can't talk about. So what is the the net the, the net uh, result of all of this? I can't express my opinion about certain things. I have no constitutional right that guarantees that YouTube in their policies won't delete me or won't punish me for saying the things they disagree with. Then again, they don't come out and say, we are a particularly liberal, progressive thing, and if you don't follow our our lead, we're going we're to nix you. So uh, that's what's kind of going on here. That's why this has happened. And that's why we're not on YouTube for the week. And that is also a totally different thing that I'm doing uh, when I'm going to be moving my show to Patreon. And that's coming soon. Those of you who are on my Facebook and my Instagram, you saw the new backdrop. It's that wall over there. uh, It's all being prepped for doing the new show. We're going to just take the desk and turn it that way. We're going to broadcast with that wall as the background. So all the swords are gone. They're all incorporated into the new background. It's going to be less cluttered, um, and it's kind of cool. So, uh, I actually kind of like it. And uh, here, let's see if I can show you. Since you're listening, if you're watching and not just listening, if you go all the way over there, there it is. There's part of it. That's going to be the new backdrop for the show. And, of course, it'll be comp- composed a little differently when you see it on the screen uh, with the blue lights on it and, you know, pulled a little back, a little bit further back out of there So that's why, and the office is in total disarray, because I had to take everything from that wall and uh, pull it all out so I could do the painting over there. So that'll be interesting uh, when we get into Patreon. I just have to get it set up. i got to get a few older videos put up there uh, to show that we do have content that goes back several years. And so I'll be uh, broadcasting from there in the very near future, and I'll make some announcements when that happens. We'll still be on the radio station. Uh, we will still be um, everywhere we need to be. We just will do very little. We'll, we'll we can upload to YouTube, but I guarantee you, Patreon does not have the rules that uh, Facebook uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube has. So I'm going to be a little freer with my speech over there. But if I put those up to YouTube, guess what happens? YouTube will flag them. I'll get another strike. They'll take down all my content. So. I have to see how I'm going to handle that in the near future here, but there's that. Now that none of that of the last 24 minutes, 21 minutes technically, is what tonight's content is about. I was going to talk, uh, just do shorts or non-show stuff up there just to appease the YouTube gods. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking, Brian, uh, field guy. Just doing some shorts and throwing them up there. And so YouTube will become less about this show and more about little tidbits from the show, little clips and things like that, where you can click in and it'll have a link that says, you want to see the whole show? Go to my Patreon site. Um, Now I'm going to tell you this, folks, those of you who are listening, and I see we have fewer listeners tonight because uh, maybe there's some people that aren't seeing exactly where they can click in and listen. Um, at least this is what's showing up in my stream yard site. So, uh, hopefully everybody's, uh, getting a chance to listen if they want to listen and, uh, uh, being able to see this show, but, uh, the numbers are way down because we've made a switch like this for tonight. And I'm sure, uh, uh, Chuck says, I'll be free to disagree with you over there, but you got to know that <laughs> well, I do Chuck. And I love having you here, brother, even though I disagree with a lot of the politics, we're friends, and I love having you here. So uh, Patreon, by the way, ch- I'm going to be charging for the show. <gasps> there goes 90% of my listeners. Um, there, there are a bunch of you here that are loyal to the show that would surrender, a sacrifice of $4 a month to listen to what would be tantamount to about 15 shows a month. And maybe even more as we go. There will be some pre-recorded shows. There will be some live shows. And uh, Arlene says, I had a hard time getting in tonight. Sorry, Arlene. Yeah, it was kind of tough. I didn't have the direct link over there. So it was a little tough to do that. Uh, So since we're not on YouTube, we got a different link I had to put up. I said, just find me on Facebook and uh, you'll be able to. uh," So that's up there now. If you guys want to share that out uh, for the the remaining portion of this show, just share out there. Hey, come and listen to Scotty over here at this link. Just hit the share button uh, over on. It's playing on my, on my Facebook right now. So you can go over there and do that. Uh, it was worth it, says Arlene. Thank you, Arlene. I appreciate it. So uh, that's all that happened with YouTube. I'm going to be phasing out YouTube as a going concern. Uh, and as Brian mentioned, it's going to be little clips and shorts and things I put up that don't violate their policy. And uh, so I will not run the risk of being deleted and having all my videos deleted over there. Unless they find something else out in my past, which is what they do. They dig back two and three and four years ago. Oh, oh, you said this thing back then. That's a hit. I go, well, I didn't know the policy existed back then. so. um We'll see what happens for the future of YouTube with my show. So we're going to Patreon. We're going to charge $4 a month. Now, if I put that in perspective, you could say $4 is less than a a double Dutch chocolate with sprinkles and whipped cream and a cherry on top latte at Starbucks, Starbucks. So for less than about half the price of one of those at Starbucks, you can get every one of these shows over on my patreon channel plus there'll be extra things we can do over there so thank you uh, brian i appreciate that and uh, so some people will balk at the fact that this has always been a free show and uh, that uh, i'm charging uh you're worth three dollars thank you arlene i appreciate that so uh Somebody might say, I ain't paying four bucks. to. I'll just go listen to this other guy over here. Uh, so, you know, if you got the four bucks a month, you'll see how to do it. And you'll be able to get all the same content plus more. So I have 400 pennies somewhere, said Brian. <laughs> Thank you. So, yes, we are making the move to uh, Patreon sometime in the next week or two. As soon as I get it all set up, it's almost all set up over there now. Uh, you, uh, I've got to do a new intro video. The intro video I did sucked. I was tired from working the night shift, and I tried to look as good as I could and and uh, get the best, uh, and it just was drab. I played it for my wife, Rainey, and I said, critique this. Would this draw you into this show as a free introductory video? It was about two and a half minutes long, and she looked at it, and she goes, About 10 seconds in, she goes, you already lost me. (laughs) And so um, that's something I have to be very careful of. So I'm going to try to put up something a a little more fun for an intro video. As a matter of fact, you can go take a look at it if you want. I'll give you the link right now in your spare time. Patreon. Let's see. Uh, Let's see. It's still under. Oh, it's under Scotty Roberts. So you go to patreon.com slash Scotty Roberts, and you'll see the show. And here, let me me paste it in the – there's nothing there yet except an intro video, which I'm going to be replacing very quickly uh, because I don't like it. And we're going to do it with the new background. That's what prompted me to create the new background and stuff like that. Randy said, oh, you're just too cluttered. Everything's too cluttered. She wants to remove all this advertising stuff on the sides and – things like that, thing, thinks I need to do that, um, or at least pare it down a little bit. And so, uh, that will be ready to roll soon. Now, all of that to say, <laughs> we've got a totally different topic on for tonight. And uh, uh, let's get it started here anyway. And I want to ask you, this is not a smooth segue, it's just a segue. We're going now at 31 minutes after the top of the hour. Going into the actual content of tonight's show, which is paranthropology or parathropology, however, you want to say it. Anthropology. I started looking into this and doing a little research about the anthropological aspects of the paranormal. And you've got to admit. That's something that is as big as it is, and you call it pop culture, but in our culture, our society, the belief in the paranormal, the supernatural, and all of that, that is a an anthropological event, if you will. A big event. And you were to look back on our society from the future, uh, it's anthropology. It's how the people believed, how people reacted, how they lived. And uh, so... Uh, We're living, consider this, we're living in a very complicated period in relation to our understanding of extraordinary phenomena. Do you remember even 10 years ago, talking about the paranormal or ghosts got you pretty poo-pooed and uh, patted on the head and sent for the door? You know, nuts, loopy. And uh, yet we have found with the development of technology that is applied during paranormal investigation, and the number of people doing it and the evidence that's mounting, it's this extraordinary phenomenon is becoming much more accepted. Now, naive materialistic approaches are more assertive than ever. Those that have, uh, I believe in this, and this happened to me and my aunt. And uh, you know, you're looking at anecdotal stories and things like that, and people assert their beliefs about them, but more than ever. And in anthropology and in the world more generally, you're seeing more and more of a rise in this. And at the same time, the taboos against admitting to the reality of the paranormal are weakening. You remember, there were sometimes scientists who you'd talk to and say, you know, well, yeah, I believe in ghosts and that stuff. I've experienced it, but I can't say that. It's going to ruin my reputation out there. But you're seeing that those taboos are weakening the walls are coming down, and there's a growing body of writing out there which takes the paranormal and the extraordinary very seriously while bringing it uh, to the same academic standards that any other subject matter might or would require. There are guys out there that are paranormal anthropologists, have their doctoral degrees. They went to school for anthropology and human psychology And all these things and they wrote their theses for their doctorate on uh, the the anthropology of the paranormal and so these are very well educated people if you will not just somebody who goes out with a k2 meter and says oh i heard i saw a green blip which means there's a ghost and uh, so they they're they, they stick themselves to rigid standards and this is valuable it's important it's a really important development in understanding the paranormal and it helps open the way to new modes of understanding in the sciences and the social sciences that are that won't reject scientific rationality but expand that rationality so as to include more of the world of human experience and uh, i could direct you to i think it's paranthology or parathology Par- it's anthology. Parathology. Parenthology. I think it's com. If you go there, there is a, a magazine that's put out. Um, let me let me just double check that. Parathology.com. Nope, that's not it. I'd have to find it and find it for you. But uh, uh, there's some really good material on that site. And uh, it's a magazine, just like we did Intrepid, and it comes out in digital format, and you can read all their articles through there, and they're all linked up and everything. So I'll find that link uh, before the captain's cabin is over, and we'll find a way for us all to uh, to view it and review it, and uh, if you want to. Um, Chuck Thurston said, In a room full of old African weapons and using an ultrasonic microphone, I recorded a male voice with a very distinctive accent, saying his name was Asafila, a Nigerian name. These are the things you get. Um, if you look at my YouTube, I just uh I reposted an old memory. It just shows Rocky Stucci, Sarah Soderlin, and me. Uh, we were all in the, the, the wooded area, the forest down on the river beneath old historic Fort Snelling, where the site, which I've talked about several times on this show, the site of the Dakota concentration camp existed in 1862. And uh, the site's not marked at all. There's just a placard out there, and there's a, there's a monument there uh, that was put up by the Dakota tribe on state land there below the fort and that monument it's all built out of like like big like it's almost like taking tree stumps like telephone poles and putting them all together in this in this uh, very impressive uh monument and that's standing down there to all those who died there and uh um it was after the dakota wars in the 1860s early 1860s so we were there, just like Chuck was talking about, a room full of old African weapons. We're on that site, which is all now bike paths and walking paths and things down below the fort there, and you it's all on state land, and uh, um, we were doing a, a spirit box, and I don't recall if we recorded. It was just kind of spur of the moment. We went down there to walk and see the site to see if we could... Uh, maybe do an official investigation there, and that's where we started getting over the spirit box. We started getting voices, and some of these voices were in language we did not recognize. Reuben Fast Horse heard somebody he says, "I believe you're hearing Dakota," and uh, uh, but then that some would come across in English. Uh, we would get children. We'd hear children singing. We heard uh, children crying. We heard adults. Uh, It would sound like an adult woman crying, Uh, all kinds of voices, gruff, some of them. So, and there was just a plethora of voices coming through and uh, um, we're hearing certain words and keywords and uh, that we could understand and we asked some questions and we were getting responses. Were you here during the time that the uh, Dakota camp was here? Uh, a concentration camp, and yes, and we would hear some of these voices. And at the very end, as we're getting ready to sign up, and it was emotionally, uh, Chuck, you know what this feels like, and other those others of you who have done some of these intense investigations like this, and you get that connection, that live connection with someone. Um, the emotions were pretty high, and I said as we were, and you've heard me say this one before, uh, I said, we're going to leave now, Uh, And we were still, it was broad daylight, it was three in the afternoon. And I said, we're going to leave now. And I said, uh, is there anything you would like us to share with anybody out there? And a strong male voice came through and said, remember us. That's all it said. Rocky was there, Sarah was there, we all heard that. And uh, very emotionally moving at the time. Now, we have not been back since then. Uh, wait, maybe Rainy came with uh, Rocky and I, or was, I uh, can't remember if Rainy was with us on that trip or not, or if we went back a second time. Now I can't remember, because uh, we do so much stuff. So uh, Chuck says, chant songs, interactive questions. Also, the Indian using pidgin English to ask us questions. That's interesting stuff. Now, if you—if that's not evidence, I don't know what is. And uh, Chuck, we all are in our odd ways. I'm empathic. Rainy's psychic, uh, and all of this. And Sarah definitely is. So, this this whole anomalous and very often perplexing phenomena that have not been explained in conclusive manner have been a part of the human experience for a very long. time. Time. You can go back ancient times, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, and find ghost stories. And uh, uh, it's it's prevalent in Roman culture, Egyptian culture. We went through some of that stuff on this very show uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, But the paranormal or the spiritual, the supernatural has been part of the human experience for a very long time. And through this time, Such phenomena have been interpreted in different frameworks supernatural, paranormal, religious, magical, etc., 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 and this has contributed to the formation of various beliefs and fields of study that have individually dealt with and advanced theories and refined interpretations. So, historically, a few researchers have endeavored into the unknown with an open mind and have found parallels between some manifestations and events, although the contribution from these researchers has been a valuable one, it must also be acknowledged it's been limited. It's been very limited. A comprehensive or holistic perspective to the anomalous phenomena and its relationship to humanity and the environment has yet to appear. It really hasn't happened yet in full force. And so the way we as humans tend to form and hold on to our beliefs appears to be deterring our progress toward a solution or a conclusive answer on any of these things. So, because what happens? It's question, which is fine. You question things in order to research and study them. So, the questioning leads to opening the doors or more questions. Thank you, Roy. I appreciate that. Roy says, I appreciate your show, Scotty. Well, I appreciate you, Roy. Thank you very much. And so, and uh, like I said, for those of you looking, numbers are a little low tonight. I think it's a little hard to find the show tonight. Uh, By Wednesday night, I might have figured out a better way to put up a link to the show to go directly here. Uh, The YouTube is just easy for everybody. So it is on Facebook, though. If you go to, if you're struggling and you can't find the show... It's on my YouTube channel playing live right now. I think there's about a minute delay over there. So I appreciate that, Roy. Um, Chuck says, so as I scrape away at this coin from 250 AD, I'm wanting the many people who carried this coin to say hello. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, hell no, he says. Wouldn't that be interesting? Do you think that a coin, a, a An 1,850-year-old coin could carry with it the presence of somebody? Could you connect with somebody? Uh, Wouldn't that be interesting? Set that experiment experiment up, Chuck. Set that coin down and make that the focus of a little mini investigation and see what you come up with. I think that would be fascinating to hear, see what you come up with. Uh, so the objects, you use objects as kind of uh, trigger objects. So my purpose in this particular topic, paraanthropology, is to encourage an open-minded, inclusive, multidisciplinary approach to anomalous phenomena. Meaning you can look at it from the spiritual belief side, you can look at it from the scientific side. There are ways to combine those things and make them work. And uh, uh, it would seem to me that that would open up uh, much greater discussion. Proposal and objective research, looking for conclusive data on anomalies, would take place. But this has seldom occurred. It seems as if open-mindedness is still scarce. You can be as open-minded as my rules and policies let you be, and then I will decry you. Meanwhile, research of related topics is becoming more strenuous, tedious, sometimes even confusing due to the overwhelming amount of information that's becoming available to us. And this information hasn't facilitated the explanation of the phenomena, but according to Horgan, and uh, I've I've just got a note here, he's, he's an author on some of these things, he wrote In 2003, Rational Mysticism, Dispatches from the Border Between Science and Spirituality, and it's published by the Houghton Mifflin Company uh, out of New York. But uh, uh, Horgan said this in his book, The Perennial Philosophy, Postmodernism, Negative Theology, Transpersonal Psychology, Neurotheology, Gnosticism and neo-shamanism all insist in their own ways that there's an irreducible mystery at the heart of things. And so does science. So all of that saying is that all these different approaches to examining phenomenon or phenomena, to examining uh, paranormal research, if you will, everything philosophy, postmodernism, negative theology, spirituality, church theology, neurotheology, Gnosticism, paganism, neo-shamanism, all of these things and many more contribute to one known common fact that we can boil it all down to. Take them all, put them all in a pot and boil it down. You're left with an irreducible mystery at the core that every one of these things looks at. Science does the same thing. And although no discipline has yet unveiled the mystery, they've all evoked one recurring element, believers and skeptics. But where are the unbiased and the open-minded who dispassionately and carefully consider all these alternatives? Do You have to be a believer and, or a skeptic, or is there some other gray area in between that that looks at other alternatives? So even with the pseudosciences, where one would think researchers would keep an open mind, many have comfortably settled for a view that's remained unaffected by other equally or even more plausible alternative explanations. The extraterrestrial origin as an explanation for UFOs is an example of that. So you look at the, the whole ufological uh, community. The ancient aliens community—they've settled on their own, if you will, theology of how things are supposed to work, and they've stuck to that. But now, look in his investigation on the subject, Keel—he—he uh, he noticed that. Uh, um, by by the way, Keel—I uh, want to tell you who he is. If you're not familiar with him, he's a writer, a speaker, uh, John Keel. Way back, by the way, in 1975, he wrote The Mothman Prophecies, which uh, they made that eh, okay Richard Gere movie after his book. But he's a researcher of the paranormal. And he said, back in 1970, so we're talking 50 years ago, uh, he said, man's tendency to create a deep and inflexible belief on the basis of little or no evidence. has been exploited. These beliefs have created tunnel vision and blinded many to the real nature of the phenomenon. Now, could you take that into, like the example I used, can you take that into religion and spirituality? Does religion Has religion created a deep and inflexible belief on the basis of little to no evidence? Yeah, they have. Because the evidence is faith. It's what God or Jesus does in your heart. That's the evidence. The evidence of things not, uh, what is it uh, that Paul said? Uh, Faith is the, uh, uh, the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things hoped for. And that's what a lot of faith is based on. Having very little evidence to go on, if none. It's a belief system. Put your faith in the belief system. So Keel said man's tendency to create a deep and inflexible belief on the basis of little or no evidence has been exploited by the paranormal. We've seen it for centuries with the church uh, and with other religious beliefs. Um, ancient pocket lint, mostly. <laughs> hey, hey, Michael, good to see you, brother. Um, Brian says uh, their DNA... Is on so it uh, maybe you can get some spirits. Can you lift DNA off of a coin, or would it all be vanished by then? Since the coin itself is not organic material, would the DNA adhere to that almost two thousand years later? That's a good question, Chuck. I would like to know if you uh, and if it's not DNA, something that was possessed by somebody. You know, this was uh, this was uh, I don't know. Thomas Jefferson scissors. Would his DNA still be on it after 250 years? Or would you be able to say, he owned this. I could set this up and say, can you speak to me? It's possible. We've seen things like that happen. Now, even though Keel, in that quote I just gave you, observed this in the 1970s, it can be argued that it still applies in the present. What applies? That there's little or no evidence has set up deep and inflexible belief systems. And there are probably just a few ufologists who would consider an alternative explanation of the phenomenon. Randalls suggests, and Randalls, uh, I'll tell you who he is. I've got my bibliography over here, so I can refer to some of these guys. I just referred to them by their last names. Uh, Randalls, Jenny Randalls, uh, wrote the book uh, Alien Endgame, with a question mark, in uh, Fortian Times, back in 2013. And uh, so... Um, she wrote, uh or she suggested that they should end their search for beings that in the end appear to be illusionary, but even if the various anomalous phenomena or their interpretations are all but illusory, not illusionary, illusory, uh the effects on humanity are certainly not, and she said, I've come to the point.' or come to see that the abduction phenomenon has important philosophical, spiritual, and social implications. And the same can be said about experiences of a religious, mystical, psychedelic, and paranormal nature. Uh, you look at uh, alien abductions and then look at stories down through the centuries, and the millennia even, uh, contacts with celestial beings, as I said when I wrote uh, The Rise and Fall of the Nephilim, my first foray into this in the written word, this kind of stuff, it's that perhaps, and maybe this is a lesson I learned from Star Trek in my childhood, where they said uh, uh, many times uh, the peoples of a planet or even our own culture, they'd say in our past, would view alien visitation and plug it in as spiritual or as gods, or angels, or demons, or devils, or anything in between. And uh, maybe that's what we're looking at, that there are alternative explanations to some of our religious beliefs. Is that bothersome to you? I'm not trying to offend anybody's religious sensibility, but what if the things you believe religiously or spiritually are actually things that have a different explanation altogether? I used to also talk about how you'd see ancient cave art, and we don't know what the motivation was for some of the ancient cave art, and we're talking tens of thousands of years old. Was that cave art depicting a real thing? Or was that like a guy that was like me? He's a bard or a storyteller, and uh, he's telling stories to the tribe and the children of the tribe. Of these giant, and he chocks it in, these giant monsters with bulbous heads. And then you see all the people down here with their spears and everything. Is he talking about gods? Or is he interpreting as gods? Alien visitation? Or is he making up a story? Because he's just making up a story, like I do. I make up stories, and I write them, and I draw pictures to go along with them. So uh, the, our approach to the unknown, and I've only got a few minutes left for the radio audience, and then we're going to get out of here uh, and stick to the uh, Facebook channel for now. If you're over on Facebook, I think everybody is. Um, we'll stick over there for the captain's cabin for a bit. So in certain ways, the study of the anomalous or the paranormal has followed a really similar approach as science. It's been divided into subdisciplines that are differentiated by the types of manifestation and or their given interpretations. And so variability has mostly been taken to represent distinct and unrelated phenomena. Do you have a looping uh, playback of events that seem ghostly or do you have interactive? Those are two different categories right there. So each discipline has been further fragmented by different theories that are backed by advocates who either dedicate substantial time and effort to advance one theory or the other. And the content that's been derived from such theories and research has, for the most part, been less than scientific, and in the sense that it's not based on rigorous and unbiased investigation and or reporting. And this has mostly led to speculation, controversy, to further the obscure, that which was already a mystery. It's like I look at the Bigfoot shows sometimes, and they're tracking a Bigfoot. Well, this is obviously the nest of a Bigfoot. Now, they might be right. This is obviously the nest of a Bigfoot, and because you can see deer bones around it. And as we know, Bigfoots eat meat. So they hunt deer, and they eat that one that's like. And the the Bigfoot community does this, or the Bigfoot communities do that. And you ask the question, well, how do we know that if we've never actually found one and studied them and entered their tribe clairvoyantly or physically to give you an anthropological study of communities of Bigfoot? We don't know. So that's what this falls under, that there's a lot of really subjective information that gets put forward, as this is so. Um, it's mostly led to speculation. And there's rigorous belief systems have been built around this. And so with the anomalous, it seems that a reductive approach doesn't seem very favorable, as it's not yet been determined how much of the phenomenon encompasses and or how far it permeates. Yet the reductive approach is the road most researchers have taken. And a uh, few have considered the idea and investigated the phenomena with the possibility that the various kinds of manifestations could re- represent parts of a whole, a single source of coordination between sources. Some researchers aren't even interested in the various types of phenomena. And Cannon wrote about this. He said, many investigators study only sightings and physical traces, such as landings and stop there and... Other investigators study only abductions and stop there. And we're going to go on to the Captain's Cabin. So all of you listening over on the radio, I've got to bid you a hearty farewell. Live long and prosper. Join us back here on Facebook. Join us every weeknight at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern. The Intrepid Radio Programme. Scotty Roberts Productions Broadcast.